Good evening. Good evening, City Life Church. That's a good question, isn't it? What will we do before he gets here? And here at City Life, I know that we want to be found telling the story of the gospel and living the way of Jesus. And be, by doing that, making Jesus more easily found here in the 757. And you're hearing us say that over and over as we launch into 2022 because we're excited about this new vision, this new mission statement, this new focus that God is putting on our hearts as a church family. And so tonight we'll be wrapping up what has been, I don't know if it's been for you, but I know it's been for me. I've been listening to these sermons this February, this last several weeks, three weeks, tonight's the fourth in the series, this Our Loudest Witness sermon series. And in this sermon series, if you've missed any, I want to encourage you to go ahead and go to our YouTube channel, check them out on our website, but listen to these because what it's been is a study of what are these values that we see defined the early church, right? What are these things that onlookers looked at the early church and saw they couldn't get away from? And then what's so beautiful is that those values are actually values that are relevant today for us in 2022. You cannot read the book of Acts. You cannot read the New Testament through the epistles, right? Those were letters written to churches that were that were uh, springing up all over the region as the gospel spread. And we don't just find theology in these books, right? We don't just find things they were wrestling with and dealing with, but what we see are these foundational doctrines that were interlaced all through the teachings and writings. And we can take those values and we can put them to work today because they're relevant and they're timely. They allow us to tell the story of the gospel and live the way of Jesus, and they allow us to have our loudest witness, our greatest impact. I don't know about you, but I want to have the greatest impact that we can have as a church family in our region. And so we've looked at diversity, our warmest welcome, ministry, our best effort. Last week, Pastor David killed it with that amazing sermon on generosity, our boldest gift. And so tonight, I'm honored for us to unpack together community, our strongest bond, because this is the simple truth. This is the, what we're going to unpack tonight. As we go deeper in community, our bond grows stronger and our witness grows louder. It's not complicated, right? As we go deeper in relationship, deeper in community, our bonds grow stronger and, and, and the volume of our witness is amplified in the world that we live. It's not complicated. So, so how does this correlate? How do we do this? What does this look like? So first I want to say, because our sermon tonight's not going to be about what community looks and feels like and all of that, so we have lots of sermons about that, but let me give context if it's new to you. When I say deeper in community, I'm talking about meaningful, authentic relationships that are defined by caring for each other, that are defined by encouraging each other, that are defined by partnership, right? Relationships where you're doing life in a way where you're reaching for things, you're accomplishing things together. Relationships that are defined by protecting. I love that one because I think of like a spiritual neighborhood watch, right? Relationships where we know each other well enough when we, see, we can see things that maybe shouldn't be there, right? We can see that, hey, are you sure that, what, what's going on here? We can ask each other re questions that allow us to protect each other because we love each other. And then relationships that are filled with prayer. We're prayerfully caring for one another. 
And as our bond grows stronger, as these things grow deeper, our witness grows louder, and we're able to then point people to Jesus because our witness is louder. Our witness reaches those that are far from God because it's our cry and our prayer, and I'm assuming you're partnering with us, right, as a church family to make Jesus easily found. So for City Life to have the witness that we are supposed to have, I'm inviting you to ask along with me tonight, am I committed to community as my strongest bond? Am I committed to community as my strongest bond? Now, there's lots of reasons we need to be in community. I mean, just the definition of caring and encouragement and prayer and protection, right, that I just read. But tonight, I want us to unpack what I believe are three critical, distinctive characteristics for our community to tell the story of the gospel, to have our loudest witness. And I believe those are that we must be loving, we must be inspirational, and we must be invitational. And so I want us to unpack those tonight. You ready? We go? I got an abbreviated service, y'all. We got to talk fast, okay? So. All right. Number one, we must be loving. It's not a surprise, is it? It takes a loving community to declare a loving message. The loving message part is locked in, y'all. There's nothing we can add to it, amen? Each one of us have experienced it. If we've made a vow of devotion to Jesus, the love of Jesus saved us from the hell of ourselves and the hell of our brokenness, and now the gospel of Jesus Christ, right, is able to go into the world because we've experienced that love and we're able to give that love. But I have to believe that sometimes, maybe not always, but there's been communities that necessarily aren't loving that are trying to declare a loving message. May that not be us, right? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right out of the gate, verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I believe here what is true for the one is also true for the many. For us corporately at City Life Church, no one wants to hear something that's a noisy gong, right? A clanging cymbal. What do you do when you hear something that's obnoxiously noisy? What do you do? You, you retreat, right? You cover your ears. You try to make some distance between you and the noise. You try to get away from it. And as a church, our message cannot just be loving. We actually have to walk in loving relationships. A love that doesn't make people want to pull back. Oh no. A love that's not obnoxious, <laughs> a clanging symbol, but a love that attracts people. The early church was a loving place. For the sake of time, you'll find the notes for this message on the website, but Acts 1.14 and Acts 2.1 and Acts 2.42 and Acts fill in the blank, every chapter. Every book of Acts is filled with descriptions of how the early church was in loving relationship with each other. Phrases like being together, sharing all things in common, caring for each other, loving one another, praying for each other. It was a place where we see the pursuit of relationships was an integral part of their lives. Like connectedness was literally a definer of how they lived. It was how people knew they were part of the early church, the way they did life in loving relationship together. It was, and this is amazing to me, it was both their love for Jesus and their love for each other. It was not just their love for Jesus that caused the world to stand in awe and say those are Christ followers. It was their love for one another. Jesus in John 13, 35, it said, he, he basically told them, 13, John 14, John 15, 
Jesus is chilling with his disciples, right? They're traveling. They're doing life together. Jesus is downloading the values of this new kingdom. He's talking to them. They had a very, the disciples we know had a very different view of what they thought it was going to be, right? So he's talking to them. In chapter 13 of verse 35, Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It literally will be what points them to me. And he told them this, y'all, when they were like learning how to like cast out demons and raise people from the dead, right? And heal the sick and operate in faith. And Jesus, what he really was saying, he was saying, hey, these things are great, but your love for one another is what's miraculous. Your love for one another is what the world's never gonna be able to replicate. They're never gonna be able to do. That's what's gonna point people to me. First Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you should be of one mind sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. John 15, verse 12 and 13, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. What? Y'all heard that, right? That's crazy town talk. In the same way I have loved you, there is no greater love to, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command. Love each other. So I want to ask you tonight, courageously and boldly, to ask yourself, how am I loving in this community? Not in the greater body of Christ, not in my neighborhood, no, in the City Life Church, with the geographic identity of 311 Selden Road, with the website of citylifeva.com, with the leadership team of fill in the blank, with an online church on three streaming platforms tonight. We see you, we know you, you're with us, right? How are you loving? Who are you loving? in this community, and does your love in this community make Jesus louder in the 757? The second distinctive characteristic that I believe is supposed to amplify the volume, give us our loudest witness, is that we must be inspirational. It takes an inspirational community to declare an inspirational message, right? It's gotta be. Now, I love the word inspire. There's other words that are kind of boring, but inspire is a good word, yeah? I was trying to think of a boring word, but it would probably make someone mad if I said it. So inspire. Inspire is a fun word. It means to fill someone with the urge or ability to feel something or do something. It, it means to motivate. It involves passion, to stimulate. The original Greek word for inspire means creativeness. It means awakening. There, there's one of the definitions literally says it's not intellectual, it's connected to the soul. This idea of inspiring in community. Hebrews 3.13, it says, but encourage, which means inspire with courage, right? Motivate, stimulate with courage each other daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sins, or excuse me, hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage each other, inspiring with courage. I kind of think of us like little Jesus cheerleaders for each other, right? You got this, woohoo! I, you know, jumping around. No one, no one's with me. Okay, because I feel like I would look really cute in that outfit. You know, the Jesus cheerleader outfit and the pom poms. Like part of my job in community is supposed to be, you've got this. God's done this for you, right? Look where he's taken you from. He's going to be with you. Look what he's done in my life. Let it encourage you. You were together. You're not alone. I think though that the, the biggest example for my own life would be that of my role as a parent. A godly biblical parent, parent is someone who is constantly inspiring with courage, right? In the biblical parenting class that 
We teach Shameless Plug every fall, good deal breaker class, gotta have it, how to shepherd your heart, the heart of your child. And they talk about discipline with correction, which is, I think is a lane we're all familiar with, probably what comes to mind right away when we talk about heart training of our children. But there's this whole lane of, of discipline or heart training that's called heart training with encouragement. And it should be the bulk of our discipline. It should be the bulk of our training and shepherding and discipling. And as a parent, one of my biggest jobs has been in, with young adult children will still continue to be, hey, you've got this. Blow, I think of like blowing courage into their hearts. When my kids were little, you can learn to make a different choice, son. Daughter, you can learn to obey, right? You can, make, you can speak with a different tone in this home, home right? You don't have to hit your brother with the metal tonk truck, tonka truck upside the head, right? You don't have to behave in the way that you just did because God created you. He loves you. He made you. He's got a plan for your life, right? So a good parent is breathing courage in the heart of their child. Did you know that that's our job description with each other? To come alongside of each other. And the author of Hebrews, is that Luke? I think it's Luke. He's almost insulting, right? He says, encourage each other daily, while it's called today. What's today? Today. What's tomorrow when you're in it? Today. What's the next day when you're in it? Like he's like, hey y'all, you gotta do this all the time. One of the primary activities in the early church in relationship with each other and community was to encourage each other. And this is a people that were being shunned from their families, right? They were experiencing rejection. They were, they were, they, they had made a radical choice to be a part of the ecclesia, these called out ones. The stakes were high. They needed to link arms and be encouraged daily in this thing. Now, most of us are not being disowned from our families. But if we're living by the values of the kingdom of heaven, we should be uncomfortable in this world, right? We should find ourselves doing life in such a way that it causes us tension. There should be discomfort. It's not always the easy road, right? It's not the easy choice. We're living by a different value system and we must be in community that encourages us and helps applaud us to the finish line. You've got this. You can do this. God has called you. So I want to ask each one of you, how are you inspiring in this community? Who are you inspiring in this community? And does your inspiring in this community make Jesus louder in the 757? It's part of how we amplify the volume of Jesus in our region. It's one of the ways that this church is supposed to make Jesus easy to find in the 757. The third area, the characteristic of our church, of community, is supposed to be invitational. It takes an invitational community to declare an inviting message. It means that we're welcoming. It means that we're open, or rather others-minded, always, always making a place at the table, living in a way that says, hey, you move over and I'll move over. There's a spot for you. Come to the table. There's always more than enough. God's, or God's supply never runs out. He sees you. He knows you. You come. You're welcome here. More, more than ever before in history, before the pandemic, but now, right, Crazy Town USA on with the pandemic. This can be said. People have never been more isolated, more lonely in human history. Experts believe that our generation that's alive right now, you and I and the world that we live in, 
is the loneliest society that has ever lived in human history. There was a study done by Harvard last year, February of 2021, so that would have been about a year in, just shy of a year into the pandemic, about a year ago now. It found that 36%, so that's more than a third, 36% of U.S. adults are dealing with serious loneliness as a result of not having relationships where they feel that a person truly cares for them, sees them. These are not people that um, are feeling lonely because they live off the grid. You ever watch any of those crazy shows? Fred and I do. While we have all of our, like, while we have all of our amenities, we're like, these people are crazy, you know? They're, like, hewing logs, and, like, I'm like, why? Why do they do this? You know, they go to Home Depot. You just, you know. <laughs> These people aren't lonely because they're living off the grid, or they're doing life separate from people. The United States, the 757, one in three adults, it is filled with people that are with people all the time, but feel alone and isolated and that no one cares for them. There's a recently coined term in the field of psychology called Facebook depression. And it is an official condition, listen to this. It happens when one spends too much time engaging with others online to the extent that it limits one's ability to bond, connect, and belong in real time. Do you think Satan is having a heyday with that, my friends? people that come back to church, people that come back to school, to their jobs, and they found that they've become so isolated, they're having trouble making normal social connections, no fault of their own, because what has happened in our world? When I started reading this study, when I started doing this research, I found myself terrified, and my heart was so broken, so sad. That 30, 36% of U.S. adults, it swings heavy to our young adult population. We're talking about young people in their 20s and early 30s who are hustling and trying to build a life who feel not seen and no one cares. And I was sitting there one day and I was just like, Jesus. And God said, oh no, Vanessa. Let your heart break as my heart does. But don't you think this is a God setup? Don't you think that the church has never been more relevant? more timely to say, hey, come, be a part of the family of God. There is a place for you. I believe that the message of the gospel and the invitation to be a part of God's family has never been more needed. It has never, been, the world has never been more ready to say, I'm there. I, you see me? I'm going to come. You know my name? I would love to be a part. What is it called? What's going on here? Oh, we get to introduce them to Jesus. And I want to suggest that there are people in our church, in this room, in the sound of my voice, online, here in person, that your biggest problem might not be sin. It might be solitude. Track with me. I'm going to share with you a mind-blown moment for me in preparing for this sermon. Do you realize that Solitude and loneliness was the very first problem encountered after creation, but before sin, sin entered the world. Genesis 1, creation. Genesis 2, God and Adam. They're chilling. The Garden of Eden. You know what the Garden of Eden means? It means pleasure, right? So it's this place of incredible abundance. Sin has not entered the world. God and man are in perfect union. They are touring the garden. Literally, God is saying, and there's the edge, and there's the edge, and you can eat from all the trees, but don't touch this one. And 
no brokenness, no fear, no shame, no sin. And guess what God says in verse 18 of chapter 2? I don't know how I had never, I had always missed this, never seen this before. God stops touring the garden. And he says, it's like he was surprised. It's not good for man to be alone. He said that before there was any sin in the world. He said that, hear me, he said that when him and Adam had perfect union. Sin had not separated them. That blew my mind. This idea that we can have, be in right relationship with God and Jesus, yet not have right relationship with others. And I believe that there are people, even in our own church, who you look around and you're like, is something wrong with me? Because I, I got it going on with God. I, I, I've accepted his plan for my life. I've made him the boss of my heart. I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I'm doing the things to walk with him. Yet I look around and something's missing. Something is wrong. I see other people with a vibrancy in their faith journey. I see other people that have something I don't. And I believe for some of us, it's a life that has not been opened and you've never felt like anyone's invited you to the table in a way where you can have these authentic, meaningful relationships with people. So I just want to say to you, here as a, as a, as a friend, as a mom, as a wife, as a pastor here at City Life, there is a place for you at the table. You have something to contribute. You are invited. You are welcomed. And that, and you, this is what's crazy. You don't need other people because you're weak and because you're broken. You are lonely because God created you to be placed in his family and to be intimately known by both him and by others, right? You, even when him and Adam had it going on, he still said it was not good for man to be alone. You were never, not one of us were created to do life alone. There is a place for you. Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Psalm 68.6 said, God sets the lonely in families. Romans 15, 6, what a, uh, Romans 15 is such a great chapter on uh, finding unity and harmony amongst diversity. Read that book. Read it again and again. But just pulling out verse 6, it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but God welcomed me before I ever resembled him. God welcomed me before I ever made a step in the right direction of transformation God welcomed me in the middle of my ugliness and brokenness. When did he welcome you? How did he welcome you, my friend, right? We're supposed to welcome others the way he welcomed us. Can I just tell you that's supernatural? That only comes because we've experienced the powerful forgiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ washing through, over us and then running out through us to others. Our community, our table, our message must declare that there is a place for everyone, that they are invited to be a part. So how are you inviting in this community? Who are you inviting in this community? Does your inviting in this community make Jesus louder in the 757? It's a question to be wrestled with, isn't it? There's a place for you. I want to read out of this book by Pastor Chris, Chris Hodges of um, the Church of the Highlands in Alabama. I have two copies, so first one down, first two down. Online, first person to put in the chat, 
Vanessa's the best preacher. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> community. I am just kidding. Community, our strongest bond. I have one to drop in the mail. Our hosts are ready to get your name, and we'll get that to you this week. But Pastor Chris Hodges wrote this book called Out of the Cave. He wrote it because in a couple months into the pandemic, he'd wrestled with depression and anxiety before, but he found himself in the darkest place he'd ever been, at the, really at the very end of himself, completely in a cave. And um, he's a real voice to the body of Christ, successful teacher, pastor, a man of God, raised a family, wife, found himself terrified and in a dark place. And I really appreciate his vulnerability. He wrote this book, Out of the Cave. And of his story of how he found you know, the ability to come out of the cave, but also what I really do appreciate about this book too is it's a, great, um, it's a great presentation of dealing with depression and anxiety that does a good job balancing both the spiritual part, right, the victory we can have in Christ and him, our, our spirit man being over our soul and our bodies, but it also really recognizes the fact that our bodies are a ball of chemicals, right? And so it's a, just a very balanced approach. But in one of the chapters, he talks about social distancing and talking about our need for each other, and he writes this, there is no way to function alone and also to be fully alive. To function in healthy ways, we have to be fully connected and loved. To be fully connected and loved, we have to be fully known. To be fully known, we have to realize that we need each other. Foundational to every human being is relational connectedness. With God and with others, this need never goes away. Do you see this strongest bond of community as part of your call, personally and then us corporately here at City Life, part of your call to make Jesus known in the 757. I don't know about you, but I want our witness to reach as many people that are far from God. This isn't rocket science stuff, y'all. Diversity, ministry, generosity, championing community, what that really looks like. I'm so excited to be a part of the church to do that because our world is so desperate for it. It's revolutionary. And I do believe that there are some people here who you hear this and you say yes, but you're then you're like, I also don't think I've done a great job with it. I have work to do. I don't love the way I'm supposed to, right? Or maybe I don't inspire. I keep what God's done to me. I haven't... I haven't made myself vulnerable in sharing, encouraging, inspiring with courage others. I just, it's, it's not my personality. It's not my thing. We gotta learn these things. Some of this stuff, it takes intentionality. It takes practice. It takes being in community. That's what it's all about. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need to grow in the area of being invitational, welcoming. There's a place for everybody who wants a place at the table. And we are the ones that get to invite right? God does his part working on people's hearts. But as we go about life, we have got to be saying, I see you. We are living in a world that needs to be seen. We are surrounded by people that need to be seen. And then when they're seen, we earn respect. We have a voice. I see you. Why don't, why don't, have you, have you been, ever been invited into the family of God? It doesn't have to be here at City Life. God sees you. See, if I see you, then the God who loves me and knows me sees you. And I can welcome you into his family. There's a part for you to play. 
I trust the Holy Spirit is going to reveal next steps to each one of us, ways for us to grow in each one of these areas. But I wouldn't be a good pastor. I also might lose my job if I didn't give you a practical step here at City Life that you can take. No, I just, a really practical step in community, if this is a step that you need to take, would be to be in a life group. Be in a small group outside of the four walls of a Saturday night service. Can I just tell you that? So if you're listening online and you've never done that, if you're here in person, you can go to our website and check out those groups, but find somebody you know and talk to us about those groups. It's more than just a list on a, on a screen. These are people that are, being, people that are coming together. Just put yourself in an environment outside of these walls it can be on Zoom, it can be here. Some meet here at the church, some meet at restaurants, some meet in people's homes. We have fun together, we do life together. But this is what happens, you just show up in a small group and guess what? You start to get known, right? You start to share your story. You start to be seen. You start to be in an environment where you can give and, ex and receive love, where you can give and receive inspiration, and where you can give and receive an invitation. So will you stand with me as we close in prayer tonight? Father, I just pray for each one of us, each one of us, Lord, that we would return to this value of community. Lord, that we would find it our personal call to champion community as a way to turn up the volume of the gospel of Jesus Christ here in Newport News in Hampton, in Yorktown, in this surrounding region, in the 757. Lord, that each one of us would do our part. Lord, that each one of us would do our part in loving and inspiring and in inviting, Father. That it would be, a, that, that, that this value would become one of the heartbeats of our church. Father, that people would feel beyond welcomed, beyond seen, that they would feel loved. They won't feel like they have to get their act together first. They would be able to come the way they are and experience transformation amongst people who love each other with the love that covers. And Father, I pray for anybody here. They might even be here, but not have really experienced community before. Father, I pray for anybody who feels lonely, isolated in our church. May it not be so. Father, I pray that they would have the courage to raise their hand, to make themselves known, to take the next step, Father. That there would be nobody who calls City Life Church their home that has not felt welcomed to the table, invited to have a seat, to contribute, to have a place. Father, I pray that this would be a key. I believe this is gonna be a key for some people here to take their next step in opening up their life and their heart to authentic, caring, encouraging, partnering, protecting relationships. Jesus, may it be said of us that we did our part in making your voice known in the 757. And may it be, Father, that as we navigate into 2022 and the years to come, Jesus, let us be a church that makes you easily found that people who are far from you would stumble into you because we're just being who we're supposed to be, doing what we're supposed to do. Let us set our hearts on that. Let us be intentional in that. Let us be obedient in that. We thank you and we praise you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.